Hey, hey, kids, we're a couple of annoyed grump boys, and this is the 138th Simpsons Podcast. It's a show about Ned, about him losing his sweet wife. She landed on her head, but now it's time to get on with his life. That's right, we're the Simpsons Podcast that discusses the beloved animated sitcom, The Simpsons, from seasons 11 and beyond. And the new episodes when they air. Why do we do it this way? Well, there was an entity known as the Wheel of Random who cursed us to only watch those episodes because plenty of other podcasts have discussed the Golden Age, that being seasons one through ten. So we are tasked to find if there's any episodes from these newer seasons that can match those Golden Age episodes. And when I say we, I don't do this alone. I'm just one annoyed grunt boy named Craig. The other annoyed grunt boy with me is Steve. Hey, Craig. Hey, Steve. Uh, it's a big episode this week. We're going to be mourning the loss of beloved Simpsons character. That's true. We all love that character. Out of the uh, characters from pop culture, movies, TVs, books, what were some of the uh, fictional character deaths that really, really got to you? This is a weird one, but like in Wonder Years, in the last episode, spoiler alert, when uh, he talks about his dad dying, that was sad. Yeah, wasn't it like, and my dad died like three years after this like 4th of July parade they were at or something like yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. That really hit me hard. Also, they kind of shot them in the foot because they could never do like a made-for-TV reunion show. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that, that was that was dumb. Hated that. I, I, yeah, I agree. I hated that. Um, Of course, I, you know, when Coach passed away. Yeah. I think that's okay. Where they just kill a, a fictional character off without like the actor, you know, still being alive. It's it's sad. Um, so I get that. But like, I think, you know, reading like the Harry Potter books when like, was it Fred or George, the Weasley brothers, like when, when they die, like that's kind of sad. And uh, mm -hmm. like some of the Harry Potter characters like, oh, fuck Tonks. They kill Tonks and uh, uh, Remus. You're like, that sucks. Th those are some sad deaths. Uh, I know you, you never watched Bojack Horseman, but uh, Sarah Lynn, when she passed away, that was pretty rough. Of course, Seymour from Futurama. Oh, oh, heartbreaking. I wasn't old enough to appreciate the death of Spock when it happened because I was born in 82. And so mm -hmm. when Wrath of Khan came out in 82, I guess that was a big shock for character or for Star Trek fans seeing like Spock dying. But me knowing as a kid, like he comes back. So it's, you know, it was never, it didn't affect me seeing the death of Spock as it did like yeah. OG Star Trek fans. Ben from, uh, from uh, Scrubs when, um, Brandon Fraser's character. Yeah, that was. Yeah, that's that's a very he was just like a minor reoccurring character. Yeah, but just Doctor Cox's reaction when they're in the where they're like when uh, JD's like, "Where do you think we are?" Uh, uh, that was that was that was that's rough. I, I kind of wanted to rewatch Scrubs just so I could get to that episode. Mm -hmm. I know I could just turn it on, but I need to have the the feels and the emotions of that character throughout the couple episodes he's on. Yeah. Even though uh, uh, Harold Ramis had passed in like 2014, which for oh, a, a real person who died, mm -hmm. I was one of the celebrities that just made me sad. Of yeah. Passing. But then in Ghostbusters Afterlife at the end, spoilers, when you see his ghost and he then passes, like that's a fucking emotional scene for me as a, as a kid growing up with with Ghostbusters. Yeah, that that uh, definitely made me tear up. And I'll say this uh, even spoilery for one of my favorite film franchises, starring Harrison Ford. Uh, you know, the man with the whip in the hat. In the latest uh, and last installment, they mention of a character who's no longer with us that we met in the previous film, who controversially, you know, maybe not people weren't fans of, but the fact that that character passed away or is now gone was, even though I didn't care for that character that much, I'm like, it's very sad. Yeah. Um, uh, another for movie. Someone who, for a, a movie you haven't seen yet, Steve. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> a movie that we did see, uh, Clerks 3. Oh, spoilers for the main clerk man himself. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was pretty rough. Uh, 
let us know which fictional character's death affected you the most, guys. Uh, at uh, email us at one three Simpsons. Yeah, or, please. Uh, yeah, we want to know what makes you sad. Yeah, <laughs> but um, you know, in times of grief, Steve, it's not all fun and games. No. <laughs> yeah. You know, we like to drink on this episode, but I think it'd be in poor taste to get drunk and talk about the death of a character, right? I agree. So I think we should just take these two cans of Duff beer and uh, open them up, but pour one out for old Mod. That's right. Right. Uh, Here's looking at you, Mod. That's the sound of us opening a can and pouring one out. <sighs> Steve, why did you pour it out, but like you put your head underneath the beer? Still pouring it out, technically. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, all right, Steve, let's just get into it. Steve, let's uh, go back in time to mm. Galentine's Day of February 13th, 2000. Steve, what was the number one movie in the box office? Uh, well, Craig, it was the third in a series of films that uh, also deals with death, but in a little slightly different way. It is Scream 3. The second week in the row, right? Yeah. Last week was Scream 3. And surely the uh, the music is probably different, right? One would assume, Craig. What was the number one song on the Billboard uh, Hot 100? Oh, uh, it's still "I Knew I Loved You" by Savage Garden. Maybe well, Ned listened to that while he mourned the loss of his wife. I keep forgetting we're watching things in order now and that we're going to get some repeats. Yeah, it's true. I guess it's just kind of gearing us up for uh, uh, season 35. We'll get uh, the movie. I I'm looking forward to the October when the Taylor Swift era's tour movie will be in theaters and it'll be the number one movie. And then it'll probably be like, she'll have a number one song at the time. So we'll be like, mm -hmm. Taylor Swift out, which I don't think will happen anytime soon. No. I am nervous about her fans and like the fandom of Taylor Swift. And like, I'm just nervous about like a Selena fan level of uh, Taylor Swift. You know, it's talking about the popular singer from the 90s, Selena. Oh, I see what you're saying. I I'm a little yeah. nervous about this. Uh, the her level of fandom that they have. Yeah. Her fans are crazy. It's true. I mean, not all of them, obviously, but uh, a lot of them can be. I mean, she's a deity to many people. It's, mm -hmm. it's kind of scary. You don't worship uh, false idols, Steve. I say don't worship anybody, but that's just me. Except for the big G-man himself. Gordon Lightfoot? I was hoping to say Gordon Ramsay, but uh, <laughs> Gordon Ramsay now with frozen TV dinners at Walmart. <laughs> Which uh, if we ever do a Patreon episode, we'd have to do a review of, of frozen oh, Gordon yeah. Ramsay TV dinners. <laughs> yeah, we could do that in an episode of like Kitchen Nightmares. That'd be a fun episode. Yeah, uh, as long as it's Simpsons related. Maybe someone uh, from The Simpsons has been on a Gordon show. Right. Um, but uh, all right, Steve, uh, let's just get on with this week's sad episode. We got a lot to talk about. Oh, yeah. So uh, we are talking about Alone Again, Natural Diddly, in which the Simpsons console their grieving neighbor, Ned Flanders, when he loses his loved one to an untimely death. Steve, let's uh, keep pouring one out for old Marty. All righty. All right. We're going to take a break and then come on back. So uh, stick around, folks. Break time. And we're back today. We're talking about Alone Again, Natural Diddly. It's the 14th episode of the 11th season. It originally aired February 13th, 2000. It's episode 240 in the show's run. The nerd code is BABF11. 
written by Ian Maxstone Graham, directed by Jim Reardon, and the showrunner is Mike Scully. Ian Maxstone Graham. He is an American writer. He has written for Saturday Night Live from 1992 to 1995, and for The Simpsons from 1995 to 2012. He was also a co-executive producer and consulting producer for The Simpsons. He wrote the story for the 2022 film Be With Some Head, Do the Universe. He was a credited writer for the show Veep, the grossly underappreciated and a show that I very much like, uh, Man Seeking Woman. And he was also a co-producer of the Rob Schneider masterpiece, The Hot Chick. Some fun things about uh, Ian Maxstone Graham. Uh, when he's a writer on SNL, he co-wrote the Hanukkah song with Adam Sandler. And he also uh, wrote the infamous uh, Canteen Boy sketch with uh, Adam Sandler and Alec Baldwin. And according to a memoir by Jay Moore, he threatened to quit the show during the 1993-94 season after he got in a fight with Norm MacDonald. Um, but the lawsuit and uh, eventual firing uh, never took place. On The Simpsons, he said in a 1998 interview that he never really watched The Simpsons but uh, before being hired, but he re- ridiculed the, quote, beetle-browed people on the internet for their criticism of the show. And he also said that women shouldn't be writers on the show, so good on you, Ian. So he's a big uh, Jerry Lewis fan? Yeah, I think so. Look, we're not gatekeepers, right? Right, now. We're not the uh, woke police, the cancel culture communists, the... right. But, you know, there's a couple of things that I guess now are not acceptable in the field of comedy that he's done. Yeah. Mostly uh, working with Rob Schneider. Right, exactly. <laughs> uh, I mean, Beavis and Butthead do the universe. That was fun. That was good. Yeah. And, you know, he's got some problems. But, you know, he was the inspiration for Very Tall Man from the 22 short films about Springfield. So that's something. And uh, the Cantina Boy sketch, you can't play that or do that anymore, so there's a negative there. Right. Uh, he stole Sarah Silverman's panties, is that what this says? Uh, no, actually, oh. the other way around. Okay. Um, during late night writing sessions on SNL, Sarah Silverman would also often uh, sneak into his office and steal underwear and socks that he would keep in his office. Look, when I them. when I read the show notes, I do it in the way of speed reading, so you just like look for key words. So right. I see Sarah Silverman underwear stole. So I'm like, okay, that's probably what he did. That makes sense. And yeah, then he wore did. them. <laughs> Got a did old good old fashioned uh, panty raid. Yeah, right. Do you think uh, Jimmy Kimmel still has some of Sarah Silverman's old clothes in one of his drawers? I think it's possible. Yeah, I mean they've been separated for maybe more than a decade by now. Probably closer to twenty years at this point. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't understand that mentality of a man saying a woman doesn't belong in like a comedy's right writer's room. Oh yeah, because you just eliminate half of the population of, of telling jokes mm-hmm. for half of the population of this planet. Right. And look, as we've seen in the box office as of late, uh, this we're recording this uh, on the fifth of September mm-hmm. uh, in the year twenty twenty three. The Barbie is like the biggest movie of all time, and yes, a woman and a man co wrote that together. Mm-hmm. It works. Look at SNL right. in the past 20 years. It's been pre- predominantly a lot of female influence in comedy and writers like Tina Fey, the first female head writer of SNL. Mm-hmm. And I always think about how a lot of comedy comes from pain and trauma and suffering. And women have to deal with a lot of shit that men don't have to deal with. So they're clearly going to have a wellspring of bad things that have happened to them that they can draw from and make comedy out of. So why not offer more voices to the table than not? It just makes sense. I just hope that a lot of like people with that mentality have grown and matured and, and maybe Ian has, you know, 
Yeah. We've said and done things in the past that uh, is problematic. I'm, I'm not saying you and I. But no, we, no, but we're we're perfect no matter. Oh, what. yeah, we're angels. But as a, as we as a as a group of uh, of people have said things and look, when you're in middle school, you used to drop the f word and the g word, calling people that all the time, and that was right. Not, I mean, what I mean that the, the dis, uh, disparaging word, yeah, for yeah. homosexual people. But you know, at that time, you we were just thinking, oh, this is just what this the colloquialism. Now when yeah, you I see th- that, you know, in TVs and movies when. You know, you love Bill and Ted, but with them people, when Bill and Ted use the F word in the first movie, like, Ugh. right. And like, even like the, I'll still sometimes hear adults uh, use the R word. Republican. And yeah. And uh, it, it just hits the ear really weird because, like, you know, sure, I used to say it, but, you know, we've learned and we've evolved. And yeah, it's just, yeah, it's just weird. Yeah. But I think this, the weirdest thing is, you know, women aren't funny, so they shouldn't write comedy. I'm like, right, especially right. like when EMX Tone Grandma's like said that, we had clearly had years of funny women on TV, like, you know, with Mary Tyler Moore and I Love Lucy. But I'm wondering now that I'm saying that, that was probably all a men's writer's room. Probably, although I think that like, well, you take like Carol Burnett's show. There you go. Yeah. Carol Burnett had, you know, she wrote. Well, look at the Dick Van Dyke show. It showed three comedy writers. One is your straight character, which is Dick Van Dyke. But then you have two other characters and one's a mm-hmm. woman and one's a man in the comedy right. rooms for the uh, Alan Brady show, that the fictional Alan Brady show on the Dick Van Dyke. So even then they had a female representative writing exactly. comedy. So, yeah, that's just weird. Yeah. Like uh, The Simpsons is a boys only club. And it's clearly not. <laughs> No. Uh, with that, Steve, I think uh, we should just get on with this. Oh, uh, real quick. We've been doing this lately with uh, the writers of the episodes. Um, mm-hmm. Ian Max Tone Graham, we've reviewed uh, eight. This is our ninth of the uh, 17 episodes we're allowed to review, but there's 22 in total. So let's do a quick, uh, the the couple that we can't, the five that we can't review. There's uh, Burns Baby Burns. Mm-hmm. I believe that's the one with uh, uh, Larry Burns, his son, played by Robert Downey Jr. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> Ronnie Dangerfield. Yeah. Uh, then we have the City of New York versus Homer Simpson. Uh, Trouble with Trillions. Trash of the Titans. That 200th episode, of course, featuring uh, only murders in the building star himself. Steve Bono. Oh. Bono. Yeah. And uh, Lisa gets an A. So out of those five, Steve, what's your favorite? Oh boy, I think I have to go with Burns, Baby Burns. I'll agree with you on that one. Um, I don't care for uh, City of New York versus Homer Simpson. Because in my mind, and I I think I mentioned this before, that is the exact starting point of Jerk-Ass Homer. That's uh, CD, uh, season nine, episode one, right? Yeah. Trouble of Children's is fun. I like that episode. Trash of the Titans is a very good episode. And Lisa Gitsune is okay, if I remember correctly. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't remember it. That season nine really was when you see the Jerk-Ass Homer, because that's the beginning of the school years, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so like the after season eight, that's when... Really, the golden age. We talk about seasons one through ten is the golden age, but really, it's one through eight is the golden yeah, age. Yeah, I agree. Uh, we just wanted to have ten seasons not to talk about and <laughs> <laughs> go with uh, eleven. It was, it was just a better number, right? Um, so, out of the ones we have reviewed, we've done E I E I Annoyed Grunt, Large Marge, mm-hmm. Dude, Where's My Ranch, This Seemingly Never Ending Story, Gone Maggie Gone, Scorpion's Tale, like How I Wet Your Mother. And Dark Knight Court, again, all those with uh, Billy Campbell. Uh, which one is your uh, favorite out of those? Oh, no doubt about it. It's got to be E-I-E-I in North Front. Yeah. I, again, will agree with you on that. Uh, man, I forgot he wrote Scorpion's Tale. Rock you like a hurricane. 
now for those who don't understand why I keep playing uh <laughs> the Scorpions Hurricane, it's because uh for the longest time Scorpion still was our most hated episode. Yeah. It was only a 29th episode. So every time we brought up Scorpion's Tale, we compared every episode we didn't care for to Scorpion's Tale. Have we disliked an episode more than Scorpion's Tale? I'm sure we have since then. I still haven't watched it since since we originally watched it. I, it might have. I'll take that back. I think it might have came on uh, FXX and I might have been like, oh, no, it's this episode. And then just kind of had it on the background, but not totally paid attention. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I just remember not liking that. But that was, again, in the early days of uh, this podcast. Yeah, maybe we have a completely different perspective now. Yeah, I think uh, if we ever did the Patreon, I think it'd be fun to do a, a revisit Patreon exclusive episode where we just kind of go back and rewatch the episode. And just have like a small discussion about it again. Yeah. Not a full redo of the episode. No, just kind of a, a recap and a re revisit. Yeah. I although I think we should redo like our first maybe twenty episodes. <laughs> <laughs> Mostly for audio quality, I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We weren't great back then. No. Still aren't that great now, but uh here we but go, we Steve. Sound clear. <laughs> Sometimes. Yeah. Uh, Steve, there is a chalkboard gag. It says my suspension was not mutual with like mutual in quotations. Hmm. Uh, you know, usually I take this uh, chalkboard gag with explaining how Bart got in trouble with Krabappel, but I'm going to have you do it this time. What do you think that's about? Well, cr- clearly he skipped a day of school and he's like, well, I thought I was suspended. And Krabappel was like, no, you're not. You just skipped school. And he's like, oh, you told me I was suspended. And so she was like, no, your suspension's not mutual, thereby causing him to have to write that. Huh. That's that's a really good explanation, Steve. I try. But can you explain this couch gag to us? All right. So the Simpsons arrive in the living room riding bumper cars. Homer is pinned to the wall and banged repeatedly, and then is hit several times by the other bumper cars. When's the last time you were on a bumper car? When we used to take like a weekend trip every weekend to Seaside. Did we ever <laughs> ride a bumper car? Yeah. They had the, the pumper cars, the Tilt-A-Whirl, and then the Putt-Putt Golf in the same right. like, building. At some point, we went to that and probably rode the bumper cars then. All right. I'll allow it, Steve. That's I'll probably the last it. time I rode the bumper cars. As They're somebody just... who drives cars on the regular, you know, <laughs> like an adult, are bumper cars that exciting for you, though? Not really. It's so weird that there's so many like car, like car-based rides. You're like, wow, I drive a car in real life, but I really want to get on this car ride and i'm talking about like yeah. when you're at disneyland or disney world and there's the autotopia you're like mm-hmm. God, i gotta do this stupid car ride where you think you're really driving a car on a track right <laughs> like i just imagine some dad like bitching about traffic while he drives his family to <laughs> disneyland and then he's like oh boy cars and i remember like when i went to disneyland i want to say it's pretty much been like a year to this day of this record oh, wow and it was like like 108 degrees or whatever in, in, in Anaheim and like waiting in line with a fast pass to go on the stupid Audiotopia ride and then having it break down in the middle of the sun. And I'm sitting there like, <laughs> I'm in a goddamn traffic jam. <laughs> There's no air conditioning. My It's a convertible. God damn it. I just want to get out of this car. <laughs> I'm going to go back into outer space on Star Tours. Pew, pew. <sighs> but uh, yeah, bumper cars. Yeah, not a, that exciting. No. Rides aren't exciting anymore as an adult because you you have that fear of mortality. Right, right. So anything you think can kill you and will kill you, you kind of want to avoid. Mm-hmm. Except for us and like alcohol and drugs. <laughs> sure, of course. <laughs> okay, Steve. Can we just begin the episode, please? Please. Yes. 
So, Craig, our episode begins, as it always does, at the Springfield Nature Reserve, where outdoor sex is allowed by permit only. As the Simpsons take a hike through the woods, Lisa reminds the family to leave nature just as they found it. Everything you pack in, you pack out. Homer wonders about using the bathroom, and Lisa offers him a plastic bag. Homer is jealous that bears can crap in the woods, but then we see a bear dropping a plastic bag full of shit into a trash can. And now, I know that it's for the joke, but wouldn't burying your shit in the ground be a lot more ecological than wasting plastic bags, Lisa? Yeah, stupid Lisa garbage face. Yeah. Yeah, because I think in her mind, it's you pack up your trash and then you throw it into a trash can and then it's going to go into a landfill. Mm -hmm. And this is before we had the biodegradable plastic bags that we use for dogs when we take them right, for a walk. Right, right. Yeah. You know, she's a know-it-all, really. She's a know-it-all. Like, yeah, I, I do like the bear. It's, I know human characteristics, but it was pretty funny. It was pretty um, funny. You know, speaking of bag shits. Uh, <laughs> do tell. I, uh, I, it's so annoying. I'll see dog shit bags like on the sidewalk or, or off the sidewalk, just, just hanging out. And I'm so fucking annoyed by this because, you know, when you go take your dog for a walk, you pick up the shit, but then you, you just put it on the sidewalk and like hopes that, well, it's biodegradable, mm -hmm. but you have the wherewithal to go and pick up the dog shit, tie it in a bag. You can't continue walking with it. You throw You're it like away. 70% there. Yeah. Like, I just don't get it. Like you dog walkers. Why? Why do you do this? I was literally on a walk this morning and I saw what you're talking about because I walked by a grocery store and somebody had put their green bag into a shopping cart. What? And That's they just left it there. Rude. Yeah. Oh and I guarantee you that person that had that was in the grocery store with their dog. And it's not. Yep. It's not a uh, um, service animal. Nope. It's, nope. It's just their dog, and this is precious. They have to be everywhere with that fucker. I'm sorry. I, I love animals as much as the next person. I think they're great. Um, but as somebody who works in retail around open food, don't bring your dog into the store. Like, I, if you have, you know, accommodations that you need, I understand. And I'm very sensitive to that. That's fine. But your 350-pound, like, Malmute isn't going to save you. And nobody wants your dog. It's just, it's, it's frustrating. I think we've said this many times on the podcast. It's, yeah. Uh, leave the dogs at home. Unless, mm -hmm. of course, they're a service animal. Right. All right. Well, as Lisa reveals in the glory of the untouched piece of paradise so close to home, the family hears a buzzing. Homer assumes it's bees. And you know what happens when bees are around Homer? They bite his bottom and his bottom becomes big. Mm -hmm. But Marge fears that they sound angry and Africanized. Ooh. Homer is prepared because he has plenty of bee gone, African strength bug spray, which he sprays all over himself and taking extra care to spray his groin. <laughs> Wouldn't you want to like not spray the groin? Because, you know, maybe it'll make it bigger when you get... Maybe that's what he's going for. Okay. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Maybe the bees will sting his dick and then his dick will get big. Yeah, he'll get flander-sized dick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, anyway, so the loud buzzing also includes tires squealing, and the family realizes that it might not be bees, and Bart looks through a bush and discovers the source of the cacophony. Oh, my God. It's a racetrack. <gasps> the bird sanctuary. They ruined it. No, they didn't. They just surrounded it with something wonderful, like a raisin covered in chocolate or a monkey in a cowboy suit. Don't you think that uh, the Simpsons would know about a new racetrack that was being built? You would think so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> this is a time in America where a great deal of the country was uh, really fascinated with uh, NASCAR. Were we? 
I don't know. I mean, I just, I guess <laughs> maybe we weren't, but um, I just know that I have a brother-in-law and around this time he was very interested in NASCAR. And right. so I assume that part of the country that I don't know about uh, liked it, but uh, it's the days of Jeff Gordon and uh, others. Mario Andretti? Sure, Alan, sir. I'm drunk. <laughs> I remember like wrestling being really popular at this time too. Like I know it was yeah. popular in the 80s. No, but it did I... have a resurgence in the early like 2000s, late yeah. 90s, early 2000s. And I know it's still around and people still like it. And so is NASCAR. Yeah. It's like, you know, when you were a kid and your dad had like golf on TV and you're just like, Ugh, uh, come on. Yeah, right. That's how I feel now as an adult when I see NASCAR. I'm like, oh, come on. Let's just watch. I don't know. Something better like C-SPAN. At least I won't fall asleep. Yeah, exactly. Um, Yeah. Of sports that I don't want to watch on TV, race car driving and golf are up there. Bowling is oddly compelling. <laughs> You ever watch uh, the uh, the pickleball? Uh no, I haven't. I know that's it's having a moment though. It's funny because it's like moms and dads versus like son and daughter. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, wow, I, I could be on a ESPN four. Well, yeah, there I you go. <laughs> yeah, the, all the funny stuff that they play. Like, uh, you know, now there's like competitive cornhole, which is funny. <laughs> oh wait, no that that was something on Pornhub I was watching. Never mind. Oh, we'll, we'll cut, yeah. cut that out. Cut that out. Cut that out. Oh no no. <laughs> <laughs> So the Simpsons climb over a small concrete wall and cross the racetrack, barely avoiding the speeding cars. They discover beavers who have made a dam out of old tires, a beautiful example of nature's ability to adapt to anything. We then see two chipmunks sparring. Or squirrels. Or squirrels. It could have been squirrels. uh, Equipped with a wrench and the other one uh, wielding a tire iron, and they're fighting it out. And then parrots, you know, the kind you see in the woods. I guess it was a bird sanctuary. (laughs) Um, They squawk and say fun phrases like, start your engines and show us your boobs. And uh, Homer nervously asks Marge to oblige the second bird's request. I I looked it over, Steve. They were squirrels, not chipmunks. Oh, good to know. The tail is a dead giveaway. As a a squirrelologist, I know. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Already, like, I'm kind of not annoyed, but why would Marge and Lisa say, yeah, it's smart to start walking over on a racetrack with cars. Right, right. (laughs) It's like when Marge and Homer or when Marge and Lisa just blindly follow Homer. Mm -hmm. It's like, come on, you guys have common sense, right? Yeah. And yes, I know this is a stupid cartoon. Anyways, uh, Bart watches a chameleon blend into a bottle of STP motor oil just before it's eaten by a snake hiding in the bottle. Meanwhile, Lisa sees a tree that people have carved their initials into. Also wonders why jerks think everyone wants to see their stupid name. Just then, a large font of words saying, written by Ian, Max Stone Graham, appear on the screen. That's kind of a funny scene. Hey, should we discuss who that... yeah, who the uh, the the letter the initials are in the uh, we got uh, S H and B D mm-hmm. K A and W C and then uh, it looks like J maybe J was here J A or J R yeah J R R Tolkien was here okay we'll go with that one J R Tolkien was there mm-hmm. so let's go with the S H B D that's the biggest one there Steve Harvey and Bo Derek hmm all right I'll go with uh Santa's little helper uh-huh. and uh uh Bobby Darren. Okay. <laughs> How about the uh K A W C? All right. Um Casey Anthony <laughs> and Wilt Chamberlain. Yeah, maybe she was like sperm at the time. Maybe he banged her mother and <laughs> Will Chamberlain, uh, famous for banging like a billion ladies, right? Yeah, exactly. So and three guys. <laughs> of course. I don't know. There'd uh, be a few in there. Yeah, I'll go with uh Christy Alley. Oh, yeah. And Will Chamberlain. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's, no. Uh, that's possible. Oh, the, the WC, then uh, uh, Christy Alley and uh, 
God, I really wish it was like a B so I could say Woody Boyd or <laughs> Woody Harrelson. <laughs> I was thinking Winston Churchill. Yeah. Um, hmm. I, I, I'm going to, I'm going to say that's actually not a C. I think it's an S and Woody? a dot. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it's an S. So I'm going to say it's, it's Christy Alley and William Shatner on the set of Star Trek II: the Wrath of Khan. Oh yeah. All right. I like it. I, I like how we didn't think of Simpsons or Springfield characters. <laughs> no, no. Like S H and B D is such a prominent one. So it, I wonder if that's like an inside joke. It could be. I'll, I'll have you know that I, I didn't listen to the audio commentary on the DVDs because I feel like if I listen to them, that uh, like some of the points that I want to make, they might bring up. So then I feel like I might be aping them. So I'm going to sure. stop listening to the audio commentaries. I might listen to them after we record the episode, but uh, That's or just, yeah. just what we have on the show notes. So maybe it is. So I don't know. Uh, Sammy Hagar and uh, Bob Dylan. There we go. Again, not yeah. Simpsons characters. <laughs> Uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> trying to think of Simpsons characters who it could be, but I can't. <laughs> Simpson, Homer, and uh, Bouvier, dad. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, that's why we don't see much of Martin's dad. Yeah, <laughs> sideshow Homer, Bart's dad. <laughs> He's just masturbating. <laughs> I think he had a knife. Okay, we, we, we've gone on too long on this one, Steve. Okay. Let's continue. <laughs> Later, as the family enjoy a picnic, a race car takes a turn, flips in the air, and then lands wheels up next to them. The car bursts into flames, and the driver crawls out and introduces himself. Sorry to break up your picnic, folks. I'm two-time fast car champ Clay Babcock. You're on fire! Yeah, I have won a lot of races, but it's all thanks to my crew, really. <laughs> there it is. Mr. Babcock, can I take a ride in your car? Well, my A car was just incinerated, but uh, you could ride in my B car. I don't see why not. Bart, these are the time trials that determine the pole position. Shouldn't you be keeping your hands on the wheel? Oh, sure, if you want to drive the traditional way. (laughs) Sorry. Boy, these cars are surprisingly roomy. Yeah, we like to bring our families along on the longer races. If I get tired, I'll let my wife drive. She's good. Get your feet off the upholstery. Folks, I got some spare tickets if you'd like to stick around for the race. That's very sweet, but we have a full day of hiking planned. We can hike anytime. This is our chance to see cars driving. See, we were just talking so- about, uh, you know, waiting in line to be able to drive a car. Right. And he's talking about waiting to see a car. I like how in this logic, the Simpsons family break into the track and oh it's fine they yeah nobody uh, cares nobody cares here's free tickets instead of security escorting them out <laughs> right um yeah. i also like uh marge part asking marge and she sees the car go on flame she's like i don't see why not not a motherly thing for marge to do but i guess that's a joke uh yeah. the uh when he kept air quoting words was mm-hmm. this a time when that kind of was popular wasn't it like that was a, a comedy staple is to air quote things yeah i think so like they, it was unnecessary to air quote those things. So I think that was kind of the the joke with that. Right, kind of a uh, kind of around that time of Gen X sarcasm, and yeah, I I feel like this was the golden age of that. Whatever, fine. It's also funny with like forty year old men writing how the youth speak. It's great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the rafters fill with uh, racing enthusiasts, and the Simpsons take their seats in the second to last row. So you know, Clayback. Talk, did give them tickets, but not very good ones. No. Uh, the Flanderses take their seats behind them, and Ned greets them as pedal to the metal files. 
Homer is surprised to learn that Ned would like something as cool as auto racing, but Ned explains that he doesn't care for the speed, but loves all the safety gear, the helmets, the roll bars, the caution flags, and Maude enjoys the fresh air and looking at the poor people in the infield who are tailgating, holding up signs, and in the case of Cletus and Brandine Spuckler, making out in the bed of their pickup truck while their shared parents watch. And then you get the banjo player with the dun 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 Fun like little he hee Here's the, the joke, yeah. So that's where the poor people hang out. I feel like the, the the infield would be like the most expensive tickets, wouldn't it be? Right. They have a better view of the race than yeah. other people. So yeah, it feels like they got the good seats. And maybe Mod would be better off with the poor people, if you know what I mean. Oh, yeah. Anyway, so back in the stands, Rod asked to move closer, but Ned won't allow it. As their current seats keep them away from crashes and the driver's profanity. And there's a quick scene of uh, Bart... Uh, and Lisa just, uh, you know, in, in on network TV cursing mm-hmm. aloud, you know, saying uh, to Lisa to move her damn butt. And she says to bite me. But uh, if it was rated R, what would they say? Move your fucking ass, dipshit. And Lisa would say, bite my pussy. <laughs> Jesus. I thought maybe like eat my ass, but <laughs> I don't know. Bite my pussy. <laughs> you know what? Ian might be right. I don't think a woman could come up with that kind of punchline. Only a man could. <laughs> That's right. Me and Ian, we know what's up. Have you ever seen a woman, like, say, eat my pussy, like, in a derogatory term? No. Uh, well, now, women, Steve wrote that for you. So, uh, good good on you, Steve. You're welcome, ladies. Jesus. All right. Well, on the track, a uh, car swerves towards the wall, and the crowd gasps in anticipation. And as the car corrects its path, the audience groan in disappointment. Because, hmm. you know, they didn't die. And then another vehicle hits the wall and flies into the air, but lands on its wheels unhurt. I feel like Steve would have liked that joke. Yeah, I do. Okay. So once again, the audience sighs and uh, sad to see no one died. Bart calls out for a car to crash, but Homer tells him, be patient as a watch car never crashes. Mm-mm. As he says this, a car crashes. Good comedy roll of threes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a pit crew attends to a car adorned with duff ads, checking its tires, filling the gas tank, and throwing its mirror dice into water before replacing it with a new pair. Uh, the car speeds off, and Homer drives up to the crew in his car, and they get to work. Homer tells him to speed up, and the crew then realizes that uh, Homer's car isn't even in the race. So he speeds off, uh, causing several cra- cars to crash. Can I just say right now, I hated this scene. Yeah. Again, I know it's just, a cartoon. No, but yeah, I get what you're saying. But do they just insert this joke because it's joke? And I got Kinda a couple of theories. Like they maybe needed to add a little bit more funny, stupid jokes because of the subject of this episode. Yeah. But it's like in Simpsons logic, you know, that means he's in the stands and then goes down to get his car, which again is parked far away. And true. unless he went back to get it and then parked in the because it was like before the race started. So maybe they did go back to get the but car, still. take it to the track. But then how does he get the car onto the track? Right. It means you'd have to go through the parking lot, through like whatever the gate, <laughs> through whatever gate. Yeah, exactly. And I know there's many absurd, stupid Simpson jokes in many episodes. No, but this but... one just kind of annoyed me for some reason. That's fair. I, I don't think you're wrong. OK, <laughs> so. As the day goes on, the announcer introduces something for the guys, finally. He welcomes Fandemonium, a group of scantily clad women who offer swag. Hey, racing fans! Who wants a free t-shirt? I do, I do! Wait, no I don't! Hmm, a 
Ford urinating on a Chevrolet. Don't you usually laugh at everything? Yeah. Yes, I do. I mean, it's funny because it's not funny. Like when you mm-hmm. see those those stickers. Yeah. But that was kind of a good joke with Hibbert. It's also interesting because behind him, uh, Kirk Van Houten is wearing Homer's shirt. <laughs> yeah, I noticed that too. It's it's casual day. Yeah, it's weekend, Kirk. Yeah. <laughs> uh, have you ever been to a, a sporting event with the t-shirt cannon? I feel like I have. Like a basketball game, maybe, or maybe even a hockey game. Here, our local junior league team, the Winterhawks. Yeah. Um, I feel like I've seen a t-shirt cannon there. But have you ever got the t-shirt? I have not. Have you? Yes. And this wasn't a hockey game. Now, the arena is pretty big. So the way they, you know, the, the power of the, the t-shirt guns is pretty strong, right? And so mm-hmm. you can travel. I went to a minor league baseball game once in Tacoma, Washington, and the t-shirt cannon was so powerful that it just went to the back of the stands, so like at the oh. wall, the very last one. So like every time they'd shoot it, it just would go back there. And I was just sitting at the top. I'm like, well, okay, I got one. Cause like, you know, there wasn't that many people there. So just like people were running up to grab the t-shirts cause they were just all at the top of the, of the, uh, the stands there. So yeah, that's my claim. I I've, I've, have received a t-shirt. Um, and I used to actually wear it. It was actually a oh, wow. pretty comfortable shirt. You know, it's just, you know, promotional shirt probably had like, uh, uh like a pet boys logo on the back, you know, <laughs> right, right. Some, some sort of sponsor. I don't know, but, uh, yeah, but it, but it fit me really well. Nice. It's nice, like basic T-shirt uh, with the, the team logo on it. Yeah, very cool. Uh, but yeah, so uh, we see uh, Lenny wearing a, a baseball mitt. Calls out, uh, "Come on, right here!" And then all of a sudden, is hit by a tire. <laughs> so, did you know that some people, including Lowe's Motor Speedway president Jerry Gappins, felt that this was in poor taste as it seemed to depict real life events? So, like during the Indy Racing League IndyCar Series Visionary 500K event on May 1st, 1999, as you know, Steve, mm-hmm. uh, flying tires in a lap 62 crash killed three spectators, forcing the track to abandon the race before the halfway point. In fact, WCCB, the local Fox affiliate, initially refused to show the promotional advertising for this episode as the announcer stated that one of Springfield's most beloved will die, indicating that he would be the one to die. But thankfully, Lenny stands up, holds the tire on over his head, and announces, I'm okay, folks, causing the audience to once again groan due to the lack of death. And uh, I, I do remember that... Uh, that uh, ad i just remember remembering like seeing that ad and like oh no it's lenny the the teaser like is that the someone that's gonna die but um mm-hmm. of course it wasn't uh no. fans would riot if if lenny died oh yeah we love lenny uh but luckily for them their disappointment of death won't last long uh homer topless and holding two cans of death calls out to get the attention of fandemonium give me a shirt mommy has bosoms like that yeah i wish Nettie, I've had about all I can take of Homer Simpson's torso. I'll get some hot dogs. No footlongs. I know. They make you uncomfortable. Well, I guess no one else wants a t-shirt. That's a damn lie and you know it. Give me a shirt. You heard him, girls. Hey, t-shirt, t-shirt, t-shirt. Fire! Do uh, Uh, footlongs make you uncomfortable, Craig? No, I just, I just get hungry. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Do you wish Sarah Wiggum's breasts were like Homer's? <laughs> I mean, sometimes. <laughs> I got my own. Thank you very much. Yeah. I like how they all decide to shoot at Homer a t-shirt. Like, he just needs one. I, I've never seen a t-shirt right. can where they aim for one person and no one else in the audience wants a t-shirt. Right. Uh, but yeah, so Homer uses a ketchup bottle to draw a target on his belly as the women blast their cannons. He just take the uh, ketchup bottle from the 
concessions. From the stand. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what, a, what a dick move. Uh, anyway, sending the six shirts, like I said, into the air. Homer then looks down and notices, you know, a bobby pin <laughs> as one would to go and pick it up. I do like the joke that it's a bobby pin. Right. Bobby. I'm sure the initial pitch was like a quarter and like, that's not funny. Right. Something that you see on the ground that you would never pick up a bobby pin. Especially um, when you don't have hair. Yeah. <laughs> so as he does this, uh, Maude returns and the shirts hit her, knocking her off the bleachers onto the ground. Then we hear a thud and then he calls out to his wife and a crowd forms over the body and the good doctor, not that one, Dr. Hibbert calls out, oh my lord, she's dead. Ooh. So yeah, uh, that's the death. Uh, the death of Maude was the result of actress Maggie Roswell leaving The Simpsons in 1999 because uh, she has been flying since 1994 when she was first introduced, season two, the golfing episode. So she used to fly twice a week from her home in Denver to LA and she's getting tired of having to fly back and forth because this would be before the time of home studios. And so she asked for a pay increase. So she asked for a raise from $2,000 an episode to $6,000. And then Fox was like, well, we'll give you a raise of $150. And so she didn't like that. So she quit. So she's replaced by Marsha Mitzman Gavin, who is heard here, uh, who is actually Maude in all of season 11. And so uh, Mike Scully said it was a chance for one of our regular characters to face a challenge and grow in a new direction. And so they all latched onto the idea and it just kind of felt right. They didn't want to kill the character just for the sake of killing it. So they wanted a chance to make it canon, have uh, Ned kind of grow with it. So um, Get it? make it canon. She was died by a t-shirt cannon. <laughs> That was intentional. But uh, Maggie Roswell has since returned because she can now record in her home in Denver, which they could have just fixed all, all, all along. So they do since then have had uh, callbacks to Maude in which uh, Maggie Roswell is the voice. I just think that's a fucked up thing of a Fox doing like, no, fuck yeah. you. And that's kind of like right now, the writers and uh, actor strike of the, the network CEO is just like, no, I need my half a billion dollar bonus every year. Right. Because I mean, I know that it's not the biggest character or, you know, Maggie Roswell might not be the biggest voice actress, but what's $4,000 extra to Fox? Yeah, and you know. that's gross that they counter with such a low offer, like right. $150. That's a big, like, fuck you. And, like, I support what she did. Yeah, exactly. That's gross. Like, she asked 6000 If they would have just countered with, like, you know, 4000 she probably would have said, that's fine. You always kind of go for the high bar knowing that, mm -hmm. well, I'll accept this. But the fact that they even negotiate, that's garbage and bullshit. It is garbage and bullshit. Fuck you, Rupert Murdoch. Yeah. And fuck you, Mickey Mouse. Fuck all you CEOs. Yeah. No, yeah. No, yeah. Fuck you. And like, as of this record, you know, we're a hundred and some odd days into the writer's strike and several weeks or months into the actor strike. And you've lost so much money at this point, not a political podcast, but like you could have resolved this within a week and you would have yeah. still been billionaires. And then the hardworking writers and crew and everybody would, uh, you know, have jobs and we wouldn't have to have a podcast from Jimmy Fallon, James, Jimmy Kimmel, <laughs> Stephen Colbert, James Corden and the other guy. And the fact that our podcast is more coherent than theirs just yeah. shows you that we could be talk show hosts. <laughs> exactly. That's basically what we're saying here. Yeah. Let us host the Tonight Show. Uh, I'd rather do like the late, late shows. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's more fun. I didn't realize how much like actors and, and you know, 
writers doing promotion on podcasts or TV shows does really resonate with me because there's been so many shows that the streamers have dropped that I didn't even know they dropped because there was no promotion for them. So that's that's fucking them over. Exactly. Like I didn't know Good Omen season two was even out until like I saw an ad on on my Roku TV and it's like, what, what? Yeah, um, uh, there's a show I really like called Killing It on Peacock, and the whole season two dropped of that, and I had no idea yeah. until I happened to find out, out about it, but like, if if they were allowed to talk about it be- and there wasn't a strike, they could promote it and it would have been a big deal. And all those movies that came out that, uh, you know, you, you can't, the actors can't uh, talk about, so um, yeah. I, I did know about uh, Only Murders uh, season three because Selena Gomez uh, broke the rules and did an Instagram post about it. That sounds about right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. See, so should we just get to the second act now that we know that Maud is fucking dead? Yeah. Okay. All right. So we begin the second act in our usual fashion with Marge and Homer preparing for a funeral. Marge can't believe they'll never see Maud again, seeing that Ned never got to say goodbye. And then Homer vows to never leave a room without sending all of his love to Marge. And this is like a nice, like slow zoom into him, like saying all these like nice things about Marge. And then mm-hmm. just then he just realizes, oh, this is uh, eating up too much time. So he'll comp- compromise this with just a simple pat on the butt. And it's a very like weird it. animated scene where like she just like looks to the camera, like <laughs> seeing full on like him just like groping her, and yeah. like she's not expecting it. And it's, it's kind of weird. Just a weird <laughs> visual. It is. And and kind of like a fun maybe meta joke with Homer like to say, oh, we need to get to the funny and to the funeral. I can't waste time on the sentimental stuff because that's not what Simpsons does anymore. Right. Yeah. Anyways, Marge tells Homer that Ned and the boys will need them, which means that he can no longer be a jerk. And this causes Homer to shed a single tear. Again, maybe telling the audience like, all right, maybe we'll we'll stop making Homer be a jerk to Ned. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was at the cemetery. We see the tombstones of the lost souls of the Simpsons, such as Bleeding Gums Murphy, Dr. Marvin Monroe, Beatrice Simmons, Grandpa's girlfriend from the season two episode Old Money. I do like how there was the parentheses of saying this is Grandpa's girlfriend. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then uh, Frank Grimey Grimes. Yep. Uh, but, but since then, uh, Marvin Monroe is alive. He's risen from the grave. That's true. Yeah. So he, you know, Marvin Monroe is Bleeding Gums Murphy the, uh, the, uh, um, Uncle Ben of the Simpsons universe, like he is an established character that has to stay dead. I think so. When you mean Uncle Ben, of course, the uh, Spider-Man, Spider-Man character, not the, yeah. I, I think Price so. Box guy, right? Um, because I, you know, in what is it, season thirty-three, they mentioned his son. That was a whole episode, yeah. Yeah, and so I think, yeah, I think that they have to keep him dead. Also, just because his character is probably a little out of date at this point, not just racially, but just uh, the concept of a jazz man is a little antiquated. Yeah. But I do hope they bring Frank Grimey Grimes back, you know? Oh, yeah. Let's get to some multiverse in this. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so let's hear the words of a Reverend Lovejoy as he sends Maud Flanders into heaven. In many ways, Maud Flanders was a supporting player in our lives. She didn't grab our attention with memorable catchphrases or comical accents. Hey. Yeah. Oh, Glavin, why, Glavin? But whether you noticed her or not... Maud was always there, and we thought she always would be. My friend's life is about change. Just yesterday, Apu was a lonely bachelor. Just thank God those days are over. And the Van Houtens were enjoying a storybook marriage. Yeah, lots of storybooks have witches. Shut up, Kirk. Sorry, 
And now the good people at Fandemonium, as part of a generous settlement, will fire a 21 t-shirt salute. It's fun how they reference all these canonical changes that have still adapted with the show. Yeah, I think the scene is effective for a joke. And then also speaking to us audience members of, look, accept this because really, did you did you care about Ma that much? She doesn't have a right. catchphrase. She doesn't have a funny accent. She was always just going to be there, but never a growth in the character. Yeah, and I think it just shows, too, that, like, this is set in stone, whereas in, like, it won't be next week and we'll see Mod Fighters again. Like, she's dead, dead. Yeah. So uh, seven women in tasteful black bikinis shoot their T-shirt cannons into the air three times. As they do so, Maud's casket is lowered to the ground, covered in racing stickers, advertising products, and events such as... Uh, the Laramie Cup. Good Wrench. Tire Stone Tires. Duff Beer. Quaker State. ACDC. And SPT. Which is funny because earlier in the episode, we had the STT, STP bottle <laughs> just fine, <laughs> yeah. but yeah. Do you also think it's weird? I understand the uh, the race track or whatever paid for the funeral and everything. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, do you think Ned would have should have objected over like the casket? Because even like the casket was like shaped like a car with a wreath. Uh, right, a it's pretty taste yeah. tasteless. So she's just buried in like an advertisement, mm -hmm. <laughs> like a race car coffin. It's, it seems weird. Uh, anyway, so Willie plays Amazing Grace on the backpipes and the black t-shirts fall to the ground and Homer grabs one that features a skeleton in purple top hat driving a hot rod with the text, let her rip as RIP. <laughs> so like the letter rip. And he says, finally, happily to get his uh, t-shirt. Um, <laughs> it is kind of a cool shirt. <laughs> it is kind of a cool shirt. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so at 742 Evergreen Terrace, a wake is held, and Apu offers his condolences to Ned, uh, saying that the Quickie Mart is there for him 24 hours a day. Apu also gives Ned all of Maud's frequent squishy points. The boys at headquarters will not like it, but Apu is sick of them and their Bombay attitude. Mo inter interrupts Apu to tell Ned that due to Ned's insane fear of drinking and Mo's being banned from the church, they hadn't spent much time together, but Maud was really something. Ned thanks him, uh, but uh, Mo continues to say that if Ned had died, he would have been on her so fast. Mo then calls Maud hot. And Ned gets angry, weakly punching Mo. Mo welcomes the abuse, telling Ned to let it out. As the punches get more and more aggressive, Mo encourages him, thinking that each punch will get him closer to death, thereby closer to Maud. I gotta say that the uh, Jim Reuter who directed this episode, that, that scene where it enters the Simpsons household with the, the frame photo of Maud and then zooming slowly zooming into uh, uh, Flanders sat on the couch. It was a very effective scene, and I thought that that shot... Which kind of really haven't seen on the Simpsons, so I thought that was great directing there. But then I also yeah, thought, it's like, really nice to establish thought. And then I also thought, well, why is the the picture frame facing the window? And then I thought, oh well, maybe Flanders turned it around because he it was upsetting for him seeing the the face of his wife. And I I totally get that. So I think uh, logically this makes sense. Um, yeah. Also, um, it could be so that when people walk by, they know the oh yeah, the, there you uh, go. Wake is there too. Yeah. Right. And but it uh, is a beautiful shot. Also, I like Mo getting punched because he is a former boxer. So maybe he was just trying to rail on Ned to hit him because he's, you know, maybe he's a sadomasochist. Maybe he needs it could to be. be hit. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, there is a blunder, though, because uh -oh. uh, Mo claims that Ned has a fear of drinking. But, you know, we know that Ned has a bar with full oh. taps. But of course, Mo might not know that because they haven't spent much time together. So and uh, did, did Mod like just love getting squishies like 
Yeah. They're very like not sugar household. Maybe like that was like her escape. She's like, I'm just going to go to the quickie mart and get my sugar fix. That could be like that was her secret indulgence. Yeah. See, Good we point. don't know much about uh, Maude because they had to kill her off. Yeah. All right. Well, Bart sees the uh, tombstone shaped cake with the words uh, rest in peace written on it. And he removes the A and C from the piece, causing it to say rest in P. Very funny, Bart. <laughs> Marge tells him to go and play with Rod and Todd who are sitting on the lawn outside, sadly passing a ball back and forth. Oh, man, why does everything bad have to happen to me? When I'm feeling low, you know what always cheers me up? Is it love? Kindness? Ooh, tough room. Video games. What do you got? Billy Graham's Bible Blaster? Keep firing! Convert the heathens! Got him! No, you just winged him and made him a Unitarian. Look out, Bert! The gentle behind! All right, full conversion. Thanks, guys. This really cheered me up. Second coming. Reload. Reload. Can we play now? You are playing. We're a team. Yay! So there was an early script where Rod and Todd discussed their mother's death. But according to Ian Maxstone Graham, the writing staff decided that to cut it because it only played as just really sad to hear, you know, two young boys talk about the death of their mother. And they just couldn't pull it off without it just being really sort of a bummer. So uh, they said it was a very sweet scene, but it's too difficult to get comedically out of it into the next scene, which is understandable. Yeah, I think what they did here with the outsider of Bart, I mean, the outsider, like he's the kid at someone's wake and doesn't understand i love that mentality it was like why do bad things happen to me because he has to talk to these kids right you know and as a little kid he's like oh this sucks and i think this scene plays realistically because a little kid like bart who's 10 like doesn't probably fully understand or grasp the idea of like a death of a of a parent because they couldn't really fathom that right 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 i think that scene actually works better than what they had planned even though i, I like the heart and that sort of thing and i would love to have yeah. seen this scene and that kid mentality too of like i just remember there was always that kid that had like was playing a video game that was only like a one player but say like oh no you are just playing you are playing with me we're a team right right you know like clearly i'm just playing the game but it's like if i watch you play red dead redemption you know i'm like all right mm-hmm. so you're playing in i'm like wow uh steve uh shoot that bad guy i'm like cool i'm part of the team <laughs> right or like you hand your younger sibling an unplugged controller and be like you can help right also as being the youngest child being the luigi mm-hmm. like my sister just getting up to like level eight or whatever it was and then like oh, she died, you know, then I, I had to start Luigi from level one and then all of a sudden get hit by a Goomba and I die in the right. first level. I'm like, ah, fuck. You get to play for like 40 seconds and then yeah. this the is back to is... playing for 25 minutes. Right, exactly. Uh, the scourge of the younger sibling. Yeah. Um, the video game they're playing, Billy Graham's uh, Bible Blaster, kind of a spoof of an infamous unlicensed NES game called Bible Adventures. There's actually three games in one. It's kind of famous for being a weird bad game that they made commercials for. Like, I remember the commercial because it's like, oh, don't you think Billy's playing uh, video games too much? And the mom's like, not anymore, because we have Bible Adventures. And I think famously, the uh, angry video game nerd Ah, a whole video on this, I want to say, 27 years ago. (laughs) Yeah, for a game that came out 47 years ago. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) 
Uh, so as people leave the wake, Marge and Homer both comfort Ned, saying that they're there for him if he needs anything. Ned just wants to go to bed, but Homer insists on walking him home. Ned feels that it's unnecessary, but Homer ignores him, saying those feelings are normal. After walking past Ned's new sprinkler that Homer has taken, Homer tucks Ned into bed, offering him water, chili fries, and some white noise, which is just Homer breathing loudly. Ned drifts off to sleep, and Homer gives him a gentle kiss on the forehead. It's a very sweet moment. Yeah. Um, I, I just thought that it was very innocent, like just a, like a a love from another one person to another. Right. Uh, and Ned, still sleeping, rolls over to hug Maud, who isn't there. I also think the joke of uh, offering chili fries before bed, <laughs> while everyone else thinks it's a joke. I think you take that seriously. Like, what? Well, yeah, I want chili fries before yeah. I go to bed. <laughs> Why wouldn't you? I mean, yeah. gotta go to bed with a full tummy. <laughs> very gassy in the middle of the night. Who cares? It's not like you're gonna wake anybody up. <laughs> All right. So as the night goes on, Homer is awakened by a light. Uh, clanging sound it's ned throwing a little pebbles at their bedroom window and homer sees this and assumes ned is engaging him in a rock fight and so we see homer with a big bucket of rocks and he picks up a giant one that says flanders so he's got his war rocks bucket but ned just wants to chat and but before homer goes downstairs he takes a little bit of uh, rocks and puts them in his pocket because you never know right having a rock fight. yeah just, I like the idea of Homer, you know, might think there's going to be a rock fight and Flanders is going to be part of it. He just has this book yeah. of rock. It's very dumb and funny. Anyways, the two men sit on the swings uh, trying to understand the loss. And just keep replaying the whole thing in my head. I can't believe my last words to Maud were no footlongs. Yep, it would have been a lot better if you'd said I love you or you're special. You know, something sweet instead of that hot dog crack. If I'd only been a gentleman got the hot dogs myself, she'd still be here. Now, 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 don't beat yourself up. I'm the one who drove her out of her seat. I'm the one who provoked the lethal barrage of t-shirts. I'm the one who parked in the ambulance zone, preventing any possible resuscitation. Yeah, but uh, there's no point in playing the blame game. Ah, you're right. I just gotta work through the grief. It's not gonna be an easy answer. Easy answer, eh? Do you hope that your last words to your wife will be no footlongs, please? <laughs> I, yeah, I hope so. <laughs> On your deathbed, that's what you're going to say. <laughs> no footlongs. <laughs> Homer admitting that it's his fault that uh, Maude's dead. There you go. I, I feel like when somebody dies, it's not about the blame. It's just about celebrating the lo- the life and I was <laughs> celebrating the loss, uh, celebrating yeah. the life and just accepting the loss. And I do like how there is this scene. You need to have Homer and, and Ned discussing the loss of someone and uh, Homer putting it uh, in his own ways, but, you know, still making sense. Right. Right. Anyways, the next day, Ned is uh, trimming his hedges and Homer pops up with a video camera and he films Ned covered in sweat, taking off his shirt and Homer mutters to himself. Oh, yeah, baby, that's the money shot. The camera loves you. And Bart walks up to his dad filming Ned and calling him a tease and asks, why is he taping him? Homer replies, you'll see, causing Bart to ask Homer if he even has a job anymore. And Homer replies that it's pretty obvious that he doesn't. Another fun <laughs> uh, inside joke or meta joke about uh, Homer <laughs> never at the plant anymore and just doing wacky, wacky bits. Right. Just uh, some the adventures of Homer now. Yep. Uh, so in the living room, Homer is with Lisa and her My First Video Editor editing console, where they're going through tapes marked Planters yard flanders frolicking and flanders 59th birthday lisa has finished the garden sequence of this project and homer offers his directorial advice suggesting that they star wipe to a glamour shot of flanders paying his bills followed by star wipe of flanders brushing his teeth uh, lisa frustrated tells homer that there are other wipes besides star wipes 
Uh, Homer replies, why eat hamburger when you can have steak? Lisa takes her name off the mysterious project, and the screen then star wipes to Ned sitting on the couch while Homer pays him a visit. So, how you doing, Ned? Oh, it's been a hard couple of months, but I feel like I've turned a corner. Well, that's all gonna change, thanks to this tape. Tape? Now the audio needs some tweaking, and there's some footage of Maggie being born that I couldn't get rid of. Anyway, enjoy. Single women of Springfield, your prayers have been flanchered. Ed Flanchard, that is. Is this a dating video? Shush. What would you say about a man who owns his own house and his own car? That's Ned Flanders. A man who's not afraid to cry. Hey, Ned. <laughs> so that's why you maced me. <laughs> yeah. Ned does everything with class, whether he's punching in his ATM code... Or keeping clean in the shower. Homer! But don't take my word for it. So Homer was able to take the mace and get it right under his glasses. What a yeah. dick. <laughs> also, Ned's uh, pin is 5316. Is that number anything uh, special? Is that Matt Groening's pin? <laughs> I think it is Matt Groening's pin, yeah. Okay. <laughs> do we discuss the hog now? Do we discuss the hog in the room? I think we do discuss the hog in the room. I swear we've had this conversation because I brought this up. I don't know how this was brought up. Maybe I did watch this episode recently because I talked about this a long time ago, how Lisa was the one editing of this this video. So she had to have seen Ned's hog to blur it mm-hmm. out. Right. Unless I guess maybe, you know, she's I'm taking my name off this project or she was already done editing. She just took her name off it. Right. Exactly. So she edited everything. She just happened to take her name off of it so she wouldn't get credit. But she was able to blur out Ned's huge hog. All right. So I have a new theory about why his dick is so big now. Okay. I think he had maybe an average size penis, maybe smaller. And remember, he didn't want her to get a foot long because that made him uncomfortable. Uh-huh. And so you know how sometimes, it, you know, if someone you love dies or if, if you lose someone, you know, you decide to, I'm going to make up for doing something that I should have done a long time ago or making that person happy. So maybe mm-hmm. Maude loved huge hogs. Uh-huh. And uh, and he, after she died, you know, this, this obviously takes place a few weeks maybe after the death and so he went and one of the first thing he did over the grief was he went and got a penal implant and so that's why he got a, a foot long dick now that makes sense because he, he does say it's been a rough couple of months yeah exactly and and you know what are you going to do with your time because you have all this free time with your spouse and you know you're looking down and you're like ah I look down at your small penis and like ah <laughs> the two things mod loved squishies and big dicks yep so now he has a huge hog and you know he pounds off He's like, this one's for you, baby. It ain't so squishy anymore. <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, if he always did have a huge hog and maybe it's the Christian in him who was embarrassed by it. And when he sees the footlong hot dogs, he's like, remembers how he has like Satan's tool. Because, you know, back in the olden days, uh, old mythology, like in Roman times or Greek times, they believe right. Greek times they believed dudes with huge hogs were dumb. And like, if you had a big penis back then, you were just kind of like a monster like an ogre like in yeah mm-hmm. not not uh not with the elite small dick people and we still have that today we call them the uh, republican party exactly <laughs> anyways do you need to talk more about uh, uh ned's dick i think you covered his dick well <laughs> I'd, it'd be very hard to cover all that dick steve that's true <laughs> um but yeah i i think that your theory makes a lot of sense both that either he got the implant or you know he was just in shame of it because of his christianity Mm -hmm. and still homer is irresponsible for allowing 
Lisa to <laughs> edit it and, you know, further, um, you know, that's what she goes to bed tonight thinking about. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, but anyway, moving on from Ned's penis, the video continues with a testimonial from Chief Wiggum. And so as a Karen pops up saying, not an actor, Wiggum speaks on the street next to a squad car, which happens to be parked in front of a fire hydrant. And Clancy states that he would definitely date Ned in a second if he were a woman or gay, saying that Ned looks like a cuddler. And as the police chief talks about the joys of being pampered and held, gunshots are heard and an alarm goes off. So Homer's voiceover continues telling that the viewer, if uh, they're tired of the same old losers, as he says this, there's a, a shot of Lenny Moe and Carl standing in front of Moe's wondering why they're being filmed, that they should step up to the best. We see uh, Ned guarding shirt list and Homer says that uh, Ned Flanders, the man with the chest. And there's a, a tight shot of Ned's pecs with an American flag waving over it. The tape then quickly cuts to Marge, covered in sweat, grunting as she's giving birth to Maggie. Uh, so, you know, the viewer of the tape probably saw a penis <laughs> and possibly a vagina giving birth to uh, Maggie. Yeah, because remember, Homer did say that. And quite possibly there's also Marge giving birth to Maggie on this tape. Yeah. So he deleted the birth of his third child. For a penis. Yes. Uh, so for, for Ned's half penis. Oh, yes. Videotapes are cheap, too. You can just buy a new one. <laughs> yeah. Um, Homer figures they'll send the tape to the dating service. The chicks will fall for Ned, and bam, the healing can begin. Ned isn't so sure, thinking that it all may be too soon. Homer laughs, uh, saying that chicks really dig sensitivity. He then asks Bart, who is filming in the window, if he caught all that. Bart did, so Homer tells him to star wipe and cut. Ned holds the tape in his hand and ponders. So later, Ned is playing Scrabble, where he receives a triple word score resulting in 90 points. He states that his luck is starting to even out. He even gets up to reveal that he's playing the board game by himself, as he wistfully declares that he is a Q without a U. And we see the word he played on the board. So we have solitary, alone, forever, flancered, and horny. <laughs> uh, so, Steve, am I allowed to use flancered as a word? Is that a word? Here's the thing is, I, I didn't want to be that guy, but I am that guy. Because he said that he got 90 points in a triple word score, which would be a 30 point word, which is not impossible. It's actually very common, but not with solitary, which is a lot of one letter tiles alone forever has a couple four and horny is actually a pretty good word but i'm looking at the board and he hit the triple word score on flancered which would not be a valid uh word in the scrabble dictionary but he's playing with himself so yeah i like how you're looking at the board while our audience is bored with your description hey there you go <laughs> Ah, so Ned sees his dating tape on the shelf and thinks for a moment. He then drops it off at a nearby uh, mailbox. And as he walks away, Homer chuckles to himself, sitting in that mailbox. Now, I don't know exactly what he benefits from <laughs> sitting in the mailbox. I don't either. Uh, but then he nervously calls out to a mailman to let him out. And how did he get in that mailbox? I don't know. Cartoon logic, right? Mm -hmm. All right. Well, we head to the video matchmaking services where, yes, they do have desperate immigrants. Um, inside, the employee shows Ned tapes of women who saw his video and are interested. And uh, Ian then invites him to root around the uh, one-nighter bin. But the one-nighter bin, however, is claimed by Comfort Guy. Um, the woman behind the counter asks Mr. Albertson if he's going to call all those women. He replies that the tapes will do just fine for his uh, for his needs. So he's just going to go home and uh, jerk off a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ned begins to wonder if this is a, a good idea, but Homer reassures him. And so later in this clip, Ned tries his luck with my favorite, Lindsay Nagel. 
Homer, I'm having second thoughts. This feels so disloyal to Maud. Oh, wake up, Ned. You think Maud isn't dating in heaven? You think she would? How could she not? The place is full of eligible bachelors. John Wayne, Tupac Shakur, Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> Sherlock Holmes is a character. It sure is. Okay, here goes nothing. If you select me, you'll get a lot more than a Wharton MBA pulling in 200K. You'll get a woman who's poised, articulate, sophisticated, confident, and highly sexual. Hang on, I'm getting a fax. Damn, I've just been indicted. Looks like we're going to have to reschedule. How's your July? Well, I... Mine's terrible. Let's talk in August. All right, Steve, when you uh, go to the pearly gates, uh, who are you going to start dating in heaven? Well, I'm definitely going to start my band with Jimi Hendrix and the Big <laughs> Bopper. And, uh, but let's see, who's dead that I want to... Now, look, you're allowed to date in heaven because your vows, like, uh, to tell death do we part. So right. you, you can part when you're in heaven. That's Fine. true. And huh. in heaven, you know, it's probably open relationships for everybody. Right. It's, a, it's attorney. You got to try them all. Right. You got to get them all. It's like Pokemon. Um. Yeah. Hmm, who was dead that I want to fuck? Are you going to go with, like, you know, the obvious Abraham Lincoln? Maybe, yeah. Winston Churchill? <laughs> I mean, everyone wants to probably bang Cleopatra. Sure. I might go with uh, Eve herself. Uh, or she's probably in hell, right? Yeah, she did the wrong thing. Right. Even though, God, nobody told her not to, so yeah. God's a liar. Yeah. Um, would, you, would you maybe get with Jesus's mom, Mary? Oh, yeah. You guys get hooked up, and now you're like the, the awkward stepdad to Jesus. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> Oh, South okay. Pro, do you want to play some video games? Yeah, I I know uh, we're not allowed to pitch anything because the SAG strikes, mm -hmm. uh, uh, WGA strikes, I mean, but this is a great TV show. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what would be called? Uh, Step God. <laughs> I like that, yeah. <laughs> Jesus, my stepson. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, once the, uh, the strike is over, we're going to definitely pitch us to, uh, I don't know, Fox or... Uh, What's the uh, Jesus channel that Candace Cameron has her movies on? The Great oh, America channel or whatever. Right, right. It's look, like worse than Hallmark. Yeah. Well, look, we can even cast her as Mary. She'd love that. Oh, yeah. She'd, she'd uh, love it. Kirk Cameron can play Jesus and uh, Boner can be uh, the sidekick. <laughs> yeah. I don't think he's showing up. Oh, not Boner. Uh... Maybe uh, the son. Uh, ben. No, the, the, uh, the, the kid from uh, the, 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 the other Jesus, the Bible guy. Oh, yeah. Boner, uh, Williams. Growing, Williams. Growing Pains. Yeah, he worked with Kirk Hammond. There we go. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, Audrey Hepburn or uh, Amelia Earhart is oh, my answer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so in a modest apartment, Ned and Edna Krabappel share dinner and a bottle of Chateau Maison, the same wine Bart helped make in season one's Crepe of Wrath. Ned enjoyed his meal, but is concerned that he's just being used to get Principal Skinner jealous. Edna laughs at the idea, saying that she doesn't care what Mr. Engaged to be Engaged thinks. She then yells at her landline phone, which has Seymour on the other line, <laughs> who feels that this is childish. Edna tells Skinner to hang up, and he will once Ned leaves. I just love how Skinner is just still on the phone line. Like, doesn't need to be, but <laughs> <laughs> making sure nothing happens. But uh, hey, is this foreshadowing, Steve? It is. Yeah, because we do see Ned and Edna ending up together in season 22's finale, The Nedliest Sketch, which, of course, we reviewed. Mm -hmm. Although... In that episode, I think Ned states that he uh, never met Edna before. Right. Yeah. Selective memory. Okay. Uh, Ned then goes on a date in the park with a woman named Diane. Ned says that he enjoyed talking with her about uh, her issues with her mother. Diane then baby talks to her poodle, Foofy, saying, sounds like somebody loves us. 
Ned offers that maybe he'll call her again. Diane says Foofy doesn't like the sound of that maybe because him's a commitment dog. So Ned hops on a goose-shaped paddle boat and quickly paddles away from the woman and her dog. And Ned paddles all the way to the Simpsons household where Homer and Marge ask how the date went. Steve, have you ever gone on a date with someone who loves their dog or pet more than anything? Yeah. 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 I, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, later that evening, Ned has a conversation with uh, the capital G-Man himself. G. Gordon Liddy? Yep. God. Oh. So, how'd you do tonight, Romeo? Eh, I just can't relate to the women of today, Homer. Ah, it's probably me. I'm about as exciting as a baked potato. You're darn right you are. And you've got lots of other great qualities, too. That's right, Ned. Those floozies we married in Vegas were crazy about you. What floozies? What are you talking Marge, we're trying to help Ned. Lord, I never question you, but I've been wondering if your decision to take Maud was, well, wrong. Uh, unless this is part of your divine plan. No. Could you just give me some kind of sign? Anything. And after all that church chocolate I bought, which, by the way, was gritty and had that white stuff on it. Well, I've had it. I like the callback how Flanders says he's as interesting as a baked potato. And of course, Marge thinks he is very interesting, like a baked potato, because she thinks potatoes are neat. Yeah, it's a fun callback. If you're at a uh, a steakhouse or restaurant where the sides are, you have to pick one, right? Side salad, baked potato, french fries, or soup. What, what are you going to pick? You got to go baked potato. But sometimes you want the fries, right? Right, but they're going to be steak fries. And, you know, we like steak fries, but they're hit or miss. It's like going to Wendy's when you have that option of getting a, like a chili baked potato mm -hmm. or french fries. It's tough because like sometimes you want a burger and fries. Mm -hmm. But sometimes at, at, at Wendy's you want the the chili baked potato. Yeah. It's tough. Um, speaking of that quote, uh, the I just think they're neat. I've been thinking a lot about... I'm not going to get a tattoo anytime soon, but if I were, I've been thinking a lot about it. And I think that what I want would be Marge holding up a potato saying, I just think they're neat. And I'll tell you why. As an autistic individual, I am prone to have hyper focuses on things that I think are neat. And potatoes, I happen to think are one of them. So one, I agree with Marge that I think they're neat. Two, it speaks to my love of the Simpsons. And three, it's a tattoo that you don't see every day. So yeah, if I were to get a tattoo, that would be the one. I think we need to go back to one of our early episodes because I think we discussed like if you had a Simpsons tattoo, yeah. what would it be? And I honestly forgot what mine would be. <laughs> <laughs> Probably, you know, uh, Bart saying cowabunga, dude, you know? Yeah, that's a good one. Eat shirt. <laughs> <laughs> I think from this one, I would do, uh, you know, Flanders' hog, uncensored. Sure. Just the hog. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that used to be an old bit, right? Remember the, the tattoos, like what from this would we get tattooed on ourselves? And then we would just, I mean, we kind of dropped that. Yeah. And we started doing the t-shirts or tattoos and we never said tattoos. Mm -hmm. uh, all right. Well, let's bring that back, Steve. I think uh, we'll integrate it now. Uh, yeah. Uh, I get the hog. You get the potato. <laughs> And I'll get to Scotland before ye. <laughs> okay. Uh, so the following morning, Rod and Todd wake up their father 
worried that he'll be late for church. Ned tells them that he's not going and that they can go with the Simpsons. The boys are stunned, but Ned tells them that he may not even go tomorrow. Rod and Todd fearfully scream out of Ned's room as he tells God that he's not kidding. He's going to sit right there and miss church. And then moments later, he's speeding down the road, repeatedly saying, sorry, sorry, sorry to God. I also, I wonder if they like the, the framing when he's like praying to God. It's interesting. He's praying on Maud's side of the bed. That is, yeah. Yeah. I don't know if that's just the way they, you know, directed him. The actor who plays Flanders, like, I think you should do it over here instead of. But he's mm. also sleeping on 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 Maud's side. That's right. But that's it's a comfort thing, I believe. You know. Mm-hmm. So at the first church of Springfield, Reverend Lovejoy tells his congregation that while their organist is on a much needed vacation, they thought they'd try something new. He tells the churchgoers to put their knees together for the Christian rock stylings of Covenant. Covenant spelled with a K. Mm-hmm. As the band begins to play, Lisa asks if that's the same bass player from Satanica. And Marge <laughs> says she thinks it is. I like how we are fans of Satanica. <laughs> like Marge and Lisa, maybe they share a love of this band called Satanica. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, I, I don't think I could point out any uh, bass player, Steve. Not even Primus's bass player. Who is that? I have no idea. <laughs> Uh, so outside Ned speeds into his parishioner of the month parking spot. Is that a thing you think? I mean, it could be. <laughs> yeah. And he rushes to go inside. He hears electric guitars and worries that some dropouts have overpowered the reverend. <laughs> uh, just real quick. I looked on Spotify and Satanica is a band and they have 84 monthly listeners. They were probably formed after this episode. Probably. Yeah. Their top two songs are Resurrection and Hail to Satan. Huh, so. I love it. Uh, so when Ned steps ho- inside, however, he's pleasantly surprised. A woman takes to the stage saying that she's about to sing a love song about a dude she met in a sleazy motel. Oh, a no. dude <gasps> named God. She then sings of a motel room in Delacroix where she was drinking like a Dartmouth boy. And as she croons about her past mistakes, the people of the church happily watch, except for Homer, who's fast asleep. You and me both, brother. <laughs> Christian music is just the scariest yeah. music out there. It really is. I get, I'm getting like from this scene, like singing, like I'm getting very much like Righteous Gemstones vibes. Yeah, yeah. Which, of course, I love that TV show. Uh, so the woman continues her song saying that she'd open a drawer looking for a bottle, but instead found a book. Mm. I think every hotel should have a bottle of like whiskey and a Bible in the drawer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> should the the Bible be like an edible Bible? Ooh. Like weed edible? Yeah, we'll think about it. Uh, anyways, Letty whispers to Carl that the book she's talking about is the Bible. And Carl responds, so she's good looking. So this is like another like Carl like annoyed with Lenny in this season. Mm-hmm. Previously, he was annoyed that uh, Lenny was talking about the uh, the glue the glue factory. How you got to yeah. go for a couple visits. Yeah, to get the full effect. Yeah. <laughs> anyways, uh, Ned watches as the course begins. Telling about a man who drives a pickup full of sweet, sweet love. As Jasper plays the spoons, the woman sings some lyrics that really hit home with Ned. Now if you think he doesn't care, or maybe that he isn't there, it's not too late to see how wrong you are. So when your soul is gone astray, just let God be your triple A. He'll tow you to salvation, and he'll overhaul your heart. Two things about that. One, that's Sean Colvin playing the voice of a person who will soon learn is Rachel Jordan. Sean Colvin is an American singer-songwriter. She also reprised the role in season 12, I'm Going to Praise Land, which we talked about in September of 2020. But also, that song is the exact tune as Barney's Plow King song. 
I just noticed that the Linda Ronstadt song from uh, Mr. Plow, not Mr. Plow, that's my name, name again, Mr. Plow, but the one that Barney and Linda Ronstadt sing in response, it's the exact same tune. When the snow starts falling, there's a man you should be calling. That's KL54796. Let it ring. Mr. Plow is a loser, and I think he is a boozer. <laughs> So you better make that call to the parking. Now if you think he doesn't care, or maybe that he isn't there, it's not too late to see how wrong you are. So when your soul is gone astray, just let God be your triple A. He'll tow you to salvation, and he'll overhaul your heart. Steve, I think you just think that country music all sounds the same. You're probably right. Yeah, and, you know, it does. <laughs> uh, so as church lets out, March tells Ned that she's uh, glad he made it to church. Todd knew that he would, and the boys hugged their father. Just then, Ned sees the woman struggling to put an amp in her van. He goes to help her, and when March suggests that Homer do the same, he responds, I toileth not on thee, Sabbath, you woman, a pox on thee. Uh, so Ned walks to the van and sees the, uh, if this van's a swaying, I'm in here a praying bumper sticker and offers some assistance. Ah, that was a lovely song. It really got to me. Been through some rough times yourself? I, I recently lost my wife. I'm real sorry to hear that. We just lost our drummer to a Pentecostal ska band. I, I mean, I know it's not the same, but... No, I hear what you're saying. It's always hard to replace someone. Yeah. My name's Rachel Jordan. If you feel like talking, maybe we could grab a coffee. Well, that, that sounds real nice, Rachel, but uh, I'm uh, <clears throat> I'm not quite... I understand. Listen, we're heading out on tour with the Monsters of Christian Rock. Maybe when we get back, you and I could get together. <laughs> well, maybe we can. My name's Ned Flanders, and I'm here every week. Rain or shine. Breaking the fourth wall telling us that uh, he'll be back to normal. Status That's right. quo. No mod, but he'll be fine. Um, and I think the uh, ska band's name should be Pentecostal. That's that's good. Yeah. You know, thinking about it now, you know, when Homer's trying to get out, like not working on the Sabbath or Saturday, like I kind of wish back when I first started off as a job, like as a teen, like mm-hmm. telling people I'm like Seventh Day Adventist, so I can't work Saturdays. Oh, yeah, that's great. God, why didn't we ever think of that? I know, that's brilliant. And then also saying like, and then, you know, Sunday, uh, well, my mom's Seventh Day Adventist, so I can't do it. But my dad, you know, he's hardcore catholic and we can't work (laughs) i can't work sundays yeah (laughs) so kids out there if you're starting the workforce uh just tell people you're seventh day adventists and uh and then you don't have to work saturdays you can hang out with your friends doing uh marijuana and uh molly and uh meth and uh fentanyl Mm -hmm. i like how the positive message in is like a very christiany and ned and and here i am talking about just you know doing hardcore drugs (laughs) (laughs) drugs are fun all right well steve that was the episode I think we need to uh, take a break, gather our thoughts and come back and uh, finish it up. How about that? Sounds great. We'll be right back. All right, Steve, we're back. Let's wrap up alone again. Natural uh, diddly. We'll talk about some of our favorite scenes, some jokes that we liked, what worked, what maybe didn't work. Maybe give an MVJ. That means most valuable jokester. And we'll give a full little review, maybe give it a ranking, and then we'll find out what we're watching next week. But before we do all that, we like to give gifts. 
and something from this episode that would make a great gift, we'll give it to each other. We could also say, uh, what character from this episode instead of Mod, who would you like to see dead? Let's, <laughs> let's just throw that in there for fun, because it is a big episode of a death of a character. So, Steve, I best give you a gift first. <laughs> you best. Uh, I best. <laughs> I was going to say, I better give you a gift first, but I kind of slipped to saying best. So I like it. No. It works. I best give you the gift. Kind of the obvious would be a uh, T-shirt of the letter RIP, R-A-P, would be great. But mm -hmm. I'm thinking, no, I'm giving you something much more rare. Oh. Yeah, I had to go on the dark web to attain this. You're going to have to have a VCR for it, Steve. Oh. Yeah. we can. You can get it at uh, a thrift store for fairly mm -hmm. cheap, I'm assuming. But uh, it's an unedited, full-length version of Ned's dating tape. It is full-length. Yes, so you get the the hog uncensored, uncut, if you will. Yes, uh, Lisa's name is still on the the video. Uh, so yeah, it's it's a very rare bootleg, and I, it took me a while to find it. Took a lot of money, Steve. Wow, that's what I was saying. But uh, it should be in in your mailbox uh, in six to eight weeks. So wow, there's well, your gift. That's, that's very nice, Greg. I also got you a piece of uh, outdated electronics. Maybe not so rare, but uh, I did get you a copy of Billy Graham's Bible Blaster Deluxe. So you also get uh, Moses parting the Red Seas and uh, just general judging of people living their lives bonus edition. Look, I appreciate that because as many times I've d downloaded emulators and then the ROMs for them, like playing mm -hmm. those old Nintendo, Super Nintendo games, it's just not the same, you know, it's, it's not. like as holding the original. So I think the original works works well, you know. Thank, thank you very much. I'll be playing this on the old uh, porcelain throne. <laughs> After my four cups of coffee this morning. <laughs> um, all right, Steve, uh, how about uh, any uh, scenes or jokes in this episode that really made you go, wah ha wah ha um, or, or, you know, there was a death, so uh, any, any oh, sadness in this episode? I mean, it is a very sad episode with some humor mixed in there. Weirdly, I think Marge had some fun moments. Her and Lisa bonding over Satanica is really funny to me. <laughs> um, also, in the beginning, when um, Bart asks if he can uh, ride in the race car, and she looks at the flaming wreckage of the car that crashed, and she's like, I don't see why not. That made me laugh. Also, Bart being, you know, the self-centered little asshole that he is, being like, why does everything bad happen to me? <laughs> At a wake, <laughs> just because he has to hang out with uh, Rod and Todd. That's pretty good. Also, uh, the scene with Wiggum, just the detail of him parking in front of a fire hydrant is such a small detail that I like that they included that in there. So those are some of the funnier things for me. But I think that, yeah, I'm going to give it to Marge. I almost said Maude, but she's dead. She can't make us laugh anymore. <laughs> um, and she never did. Right. But what about you, Craig? What? Uh, who are your ha-has or your boo-hoos? I agree with everything you said, but I think my favorite scene is still the Lovejoy scene of him just explaining to the audience, like, you don't care about this character and she's dead. So who cares? You're, you're not going to like come away from this, like being sad because mm -hmm. she really is a no nothing character. But what kind of brings it back to make it sentimental for me is the Bart scene with the kids. You know, we both have lost our mothers, but this episode didn't like make any like triggering flashbacks for me or anything like that. Right, so. right. <laughs> so I, I do enjoy those scenes and I agree with you. I think the, the Lisa and March stuff was fun. I didn't think about that, but yeah, but uh, yeah, definitely. I like love joy scene and, um, and Bart's scene with the kids. Mm -hmm. Really good. Oh, MVJ. Um, I, I brought it up before, but uh, 
kind of step outside of the characters. Uh, Jim Rudin, who directed this episode, I think Jim did a great job directing this with like a lot of interesting like animated camera moves. And so I thought uh, he did great in this. So good job for Jim Rudin on directing this episode. But actually a character in the show, uh, I will give it to Mott because he never will be an MVJ. So I'm giving her the most valuable just dead. Mm-hmm. MVJD. <laughs> Congratulations, Mod. Nice. Or uh, I guess, and Flanders Hog. Flan- okay, Flanders Hog, y- you win. <laughs> um, all right, Steve. Uh, all in all, uh, what do you give this episode? I think that any time that a TV show deals with a death, it's very difficult to go too maudlin or too sad. And I fear I don't feel that they did that at all in this episode. Although it is kind of mournful. But the humor is just a little disjointed in this episode. There's like a lot of little, little, little quirks, a little cartoony things that kind of stick in my craw. Like just the, I mean, we talked about like Homer in the uh, getting his car serviced and just uh, Homer (laughs) locking himself in the mailbox. And just the tone of the episode is a little weird. But I do appreciate the journey it goes on from starting off at a, you know, uh, nature reserved slash uh, raceway into uh, Ned dating again. Um, it's funny because I don't dislike this episode, but it's not my favorite. And I laugh, but it's not great. But it is an important episode, and I think that I think it does a good job of showing that we are realizing at this point in time that the Simpsons are going to be on for a while, and there are going to be changes that happen to these characters that are permanent and forever. And while we had seen, you know, Ned, or sorry, when we had seen Apu go from being a bachelor to being married, and we saw Van Houten's breakup, and those were permanent things, but those seem like minor changes, but a death in the family and somebody being gone forever, that is something we're going to have to face in reality. And, you know, later on with the death of Marshall Wallace, we did lose Edna Krabappel permanently. And so this preparing for us, I think, is significant. So I think this is, while not the best episode, a significant episode. So if I had to rank it, let's say out of uh, 21 t-shirts, I'm going to give this... Uh, one of those ladies can take the day off. I'm going to give it a 14 out of 21. Uh, let's also not forget in real life losing Phil Hartman and then all yeah. his characters are pretty much just retired. So you that's know, true too. Yeah. This is kind of the first where it's in a way a fuck you to the original actress who's like, you know, pay me money. And they're like, no, well, we're just going to kill off your character, even though they already hired someone else to do the character. And they're like, sorry, this character that you're going to play, we're getting rid of. So it's kind of like a double fuck you to the yeah. actresses. Yeah, I struggle with this episode because I think in this time of The Simpsons, you know, everyone goes to the Scully years and like we do Mm -hmm. to and the way, you know, TV was at this time still very like maybe nihilistic and mean, mean spirited. Mm hmm. And that mean spirit of comedy was was still kind of around, you know, because that's kind of when, again, I bring up like South Park and Family Guy, uh, the spirited comedy of the time. I mean, they had to be on a fine line of like, well, it's still a sitcom. We got to make it funny. So yeah, let's just do some really dumb, absurd jokes, but also breaking the fourth wall. And uh, it, it felt very messy. Now in the in comedy today, you can do heartfelt and comedy. And I think I think Michael Schur, who worked on The Office, Parks and Rec, uh, Brooklyn Good Nine-Nine, place. Good Place, was able to, to balance that really well. He was able to keep comedy, but also keep things serious. Mm-hmm. It's where we care about those characters. If you can give everyone the comedy, but give them some heart for just a couple minutes, you can't. Yeah, that's a good point. So I think if they were to eliminate a character on 
uh, the Simpsons now, I think it would be very more tactful, but still keeping in, in good humor, but maybe also making it sad. I did not feel like remorse or sad about Maude dying, even when this aired. I'm like, oh, that's fine. Yeah. Because there's too many you know, silly jokes, but that was probably like, well, we just have to be silly because we're a show. We can't really show real emotions, give people real emotions for this this show. But they have in the past. And we will cry up when we see Lisa on ice at the end when Bart and Lisa go and hug each other. That's very mm-hmm. emotional. That whole episode's funny, but also has emotional heartstrings. Marge not be proud. That fucking brings me a tear all the time. Oh, yeah. Even when they did have a death of a character, I think with Beatrice Simmons dies for grandpa is an effective episode because even though she wasn't a main character, you could feel for grandpa in that episode. Mm-hmm. I think the only scenes where I feel bad is the scenes I like with, with Bart and the boys. Yeah. And maybe even the, uh, the talk with Homer and, and Flanders, you know, when Flanders is, con- you know, f- confessing the loss. And even like we talk about the sweet scene of Homer kissing <laughs> Flanders, putting him to tuck him to bed. That's very sweet. I think that's effective. I You're think right. maybe, maybe the jumping into the, the dating pool at the end is a little too soon, but I think that's more like a tease of like, well, we can introduce those love interests for, for Ned and it's fine. Cause she's like a traveling band. So we could see her sporadically. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I do like how eventually they Edna and Flanders do hook up and, Unfortunately, when, when Marsha passed away, but it also created another great story for Flanders of like him losing two loves of his life. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that might have been a more effective episode when when uh, Edna, like they didn't have a whole episode where she died, where they just acknowledged it. I think it was sweet. Um, that being said, I think this episode, they try to do the most extreme jokes, but then also try to do some heartfelt to it. I, it just felt clumpy to me, and, and I I don't think I'm a fan of this episode. Yeah. Uh, if I gave it a ranking, let's go back to a Dead Putting Society, which of course is Maude Flanders' first appearance, which is the 19th episode of the season, uh, 19th episode for The Simpsons altogether. Uh, so out of 19, I'll give this episode a 666. Oh, which sounds higher, but you know, <laughs> it's the number of the the devil. But uh, you know, that's just my opinion. You like it a little bit more to be. Uh, I will say it's better than uh, a scorpion's tail. So there you go, Ian Max Graham. It's better than that one. That one. Yeah. Um, it's not a skip. It's not a skip for me because it is a very pivotal episode of the (laughs) of the Simpsons lore, the Simpsons canon, if you will. We'll still keep on trucking along with season eleven because we're still we still got a few more weeks before the season thirty five premiere. So Steve. uh, We'll just continue with uh, season 11, episode 15, in which it's titled Missionary Impossible. Steve, what do you hmm. think Missionary Impossible is about? Missionary Impossible. Well, uh, Mission Impossible is a popular film series, uh, I think, starring Tom Cruise. Yeah, before uh, that was a TV show, of course. Yeah. Of course, yeah. So I'm going to say that maybe Tom Cruise guest stars hmm. and uh, maybe he introduces Springfield to a new kind of cult like religion. And at first, everyone's a little freaked out, but some people start to start to like kind of get into it, kind of really like it. And maybe especially Bart. So with your Simpsons knowledge, mm-hmm. do you think there is an episode with Tom Cruise? Yeah. Where he converts Bart Simpson to Scientology. And in the B plot, um, Marsh and Homer learn a new sex position. Missionary. <laughs> the uh, Theta level six position. Yeah. Theta. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <sighs> Hmm. Are we going to get canceled for that uh, description of the episode? You think it is? Well, at least one cast member would not do our podcast because of what you said. Maybe. <laughs> uh, yeah. Harry Shearer is a huge fan of uh, Tom Cruise. <laughs> no. 
Steve, that's not it at all. Oh. Yeah, in the description, it says Homer is forced to become a missionary on a remote island after he pledges a large sum of money to PBS. Oh, broadcasting system. Now, really, Steve, do you remember this episode? Uh, yes, I do. Uh, I remember guest stars Oscar the Grouch and Betty White. And Elmo, right? Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't Elmo say something like, don't fuck with PBS? Something to that effect, yes. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. And uh, I think oatmeal's involved maybe no that's a different episode that i think we've already reviewed oh so it's not the one they go to hawaii for leprosy no they go to another island but probably equally problematic oh oh i think i know now i know what you're talking like about though the, yeah is this one of the first times yardley smith plays someone who's not lisa but just sounds like lisa yes okay i <laughs> i remember this one uh written by ron hugh ha hugh Hug. ron hugh hugie <laughs> must be from mm, uh Pennsylvania. yeah well, Steve, I'll be excited to watch this impossible missionary episode mm-hmm. with you and our listeners. And hey, listeners, we want to hear from you. Did you like Alone Again Natural Diddly? Uh, you can let us know by uh, social media like Instagram, uh, threads, Facebook, at 13 Simpsons, or maybe leave a comment on the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash at 13 Simpsons. And you can always email us at 138simpsons at gmail.com. And hey, if you're so kind, go to your favorite podcasting app. You can leave us a voicemail. You can say whatever you want. But also, hey, while you're there, leave us a review. Uh, you don't have to write a real review, though. Just leave five stars and then tell us uh, what Simpsons character you'd like to see die. Oh, yeah. We didn't bring that up. Which character from this episode would, would you rather have dead than uh, Maude? Um, I'll say uh, Cletus's uh, dad. How about you? How about Mo? No, not Mo. No. You'd rather see Mo dead than Mod? <laughs> well, I mean, he was kind of a sleaze. And uh, hey, guys, uh, if you want some merch uh, from our podcast, you go to tpublic.com slash user slash Grandboys. Get yourself a shirt or a, a tablet protector or who knows, maybe the masks are coming back and you can get yourself a mask. That's right. Hey, thanks so much for listening. Tell a friend, tell an enemy, tell somebody who you think might die soon. For this week, I've been Annoyed Grunt Boy Craig. And I've been Annoyed Grunt Boy Steve. And remember, you are played. We're a team. How come bears can crap in the woods and I can't? I'll get some hot dogs. No footlongs. I know. They make you uncomfortable. (laughs) 